the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a glorious morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we're underway. It's Wednesday. It's the 29th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Got a very, very nice show lined up for you today. Some terrific guests coming up Coming up in about 40 minutes, we'll call it, exactly 40 minutes at 948. We're going to talk to former congressman and former Ohio gubernatorial candidate, Jim Renacci. Jim Renacci is starting a new organization, uh, one that I think will appeal to pretty much everybody in this listening audience, one that I think is very important. There's going to be an announcement made this morning, and then he will come on to talk to us first about what it means, what its goal is, and how maybe you can be a part of supporting uh, this terrific organization. So Jim Renacci is going to join us at 948. Then at 1010, special treat for you on a Wednesday, it's Cursinow Day. Normally it's not Cursinow Day on Wednesday, as you know, but Peter was traveling on business yesterday, so he is in today and will be, will be with me at 1010. Also, later this morning at 1110, Neil McCabe 
Our good friend, reporter for the Ohio Star, returns. He has been away serving our country. He is uh, in the Army Reserves for the last four weeks. He has been on uh, detail. Not exactly sure what. Don't need to know. Just know that he's serving. And he is now done uh, with that particular assignment. And he is now back. And he'll join us to talk about Ohio politics. He's going to talk about the governor's race. He's going to talk about the Senate races, maybe even, or the Senate race, rather, maybe even some of the House races as well. So there you have it. Jim Renacy, Peter Kirsenow, and Neil McCabe will be our guests this morning, and I welcome you. Anytime you want to be a guest, the phones are open. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you here. And I have been neglecting, to my shame, the sound off button at alwayswrite.us. Leave your messages for me at sound, uh, on the sound off page at alwayswrite.us. Just log on, bookmark that website. It's got the latest updated news every single day. It's got clips from our shows. Yesterday's terrific interview with Newsweek's Josh Hammer is posted. Uh, our uh, conversation with Jim Jordan, our last conversation, is posted as he reacts to the January 6th nonsense. Daniel Greenfield, if you missed that, all the, the well, I shouldn't say all, some of the most prominent interviews that we have done uh, recently are being posted right there on the homepage under From the Show, so you want to check those things out. Uh, and we continue to add the top stories of the day. But I bring that up to remind you about the sound off button. It's uh, near the top right-hand side. It's a, it's a red button. You can't miss it. Sound off and click there to record your message for the show. I will play those messages on the air. I promise I will not be as neglectful as I have been of late. Now, having said all of that, I would like to invite you to stand if you are a patriot, and I know if you're listening to this show for any length of time that you are. Patriots, please stand and face your flag if you have one. If you do not, that's all right. Try to find an image of one somewhere. A lot of people are doing it that way. They're printing pictures or stickers of flags and putting them in prominent places where they know they will be able to find them when they're listening to the show, including on their dashboards of their cars, because it means a lot to them. So go ahead and take a look at that image. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer that the flyover states don't matter, if you are a believer that our betters on the coasts, east and west, should be leading all of us and telling us exactly, us peons, us peasants, us nobodies in flyover America, particularly red states, if you're a believer that our votes don't count just as much as their votes, if you're a believer that our opinions don't matter as much as theirs do, and there's a reason I'm leading with this, well, then you really don't understand what that flag is for anyway. You don't understand democracy. You don't understand what a representative republic is. And you really have no allegiance to that flag. So you're exempted from the request to pledge. So go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback, who, by the way, is also in the news this morning. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, my friends, 10 minutes after the hour, we're going to start, as you can imagine, with the continued fallout, threats, violence, backlash uh, over the Supreme Court's decision this past Friday announced to uh, overturn Roe versus Wade. I want to share with you some comments from a, I guess she's a comedian. I, I, I mean, that's literally in her title, but I don't know that I've ever, ever laughed at anything Wanda Sykes has ever said. 
And that's not an ideological position. That's like literally. I've seen her on stages before. I think she used to have a sitcom. Sitcom, if you don't know, stands for Situation Comedy. And I still don't think I've ever seen her or heard her and laughed. But nonetheless, she's a comedian. And as such, she has a lot to say that we should pay attention to, at least according to the late-night TV show hosts like Stephen Colbert. So Wanda Sykes went on Stephen Colbert Colbert last night to join the chorus of left-wing celebrity nuts who have no earthly idea what country they're in, who have no earthly idea what the Constitution says, who have no earthly idea what our government does. But she was invited to opine on all of those things anyway. And she's the one who kind of prompted my my little uh, intro to the Pledge of Allegiance there. I want you to listen to what she thinks of you and me, because we are not elitists who live on one of the coasts like she does, and so many of her uh, of her ilk. Listen, uh, hold on a second. Apologies. That often happens for some for some reason. A button's got to be pushed that isn't pushed, and it needs to be. So let's try that again. Here we go. It really does. I mean, you know, it's like the the country. It's no longer a democracy, right? I mean, we're it's no longer majority rule. No, certainly no, not right? the Senate. Certainly yeah. not the representation it's, it's, of the Supreme it's Court. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's no longer majority rule. And and I mean, it's like the these judges that just they they basically lied when they were you know being during their confirmation hearings, right? Yeah. Especially Kavanaugh. Yeah. So how you how can you be a Supreme Court justice and you just and you just lying? You know what? They had their fingers crossed or something or what? I mean, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's just a bunch of horse. It really is. Yeah. Well. By the way, do you remember? I'm old enough to remember when late night television shows, late night talk shows, were funny, as opposed to being political rallies, and every single one of them. From Colbert to Kimmel to Fallon to Trevor Noah, they're just left-wing political rallies on your TV late at night. The good news is their ratings all suck because nobody wants to hear their political rallies, but nonetheless, that's what they are. Let's continue. Go ahead. No, please, ma'am. No. Well, to me, it's like the problem is that middle stuff. It's, it's those states in the middle, that, that, that red stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, why do they get to tell us? What to do when the majority of us live out, you know, New York, California, and we're paying for all this crap, really. I mean, right? Yeah. We're, we're footing the bill. Well, that's, that's the union. It's, it's yeah. supposed to be a representative democracy, but it turns out to be minority rule right now. There's so much wrong with this that I really hardly know where to start. All right, that's not true. I know exactly where to start. I just want to pick it apart to expose the ignorance, the stupidity of the average American liberal. I just I just have to, especially when they put ignoramuses on television and purport, purport to tell us to listen to them as if they have something of value to add to this conversation. Neither the guest nor the host here know what kind of country the United States of America I'm is. And, and I mean, it's like the, these judges that just hold on a second. Back her up. It's, it's no longer majority rule. No, certainly no, not right? the Senate. Certainly yeah. not the representation. It's, it's, of the Supreme it's, it's, OK, she said we're not a democracy anymore. Newsflash to this mental midget. We have never been a democracy. We have never been a democracy. Say it with me. Leftists understand this for the first time maybe in your lives. 
You've never had to take a civics test, clearly. We have never been a pure democracy. We are a representative republic, a constitutional republic, not a democracy, number one. Number two, the idea that what the Supreme Court did in the Dobbs case, and thus reverting uh, abortion decisions to the states, is exactly majority rule. And the fact that the the dim-witted host had no more of an idea of that than the simple-minded guest is, is just appalling to me. Saying it's no longer majority rule, it is exactly majority rule. The majority of the voters in each state decides their legislature. Their legislators then go on to make decisions on things like abortion. It is exactly majority rule. Let's hear some more. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's no longer majority rule. And and I mean, it's like the these judges that just they they basically lied when they were you know being during their confirmation hearings, right? Yeah. Especially Kavanaugh. Yeah. So how you how can you be a Supreme Court justice and you just and you just lying? You know what? They had their fingers crossed or something or what? I mean, yeah. How can you be a Supreme Court justice candidate in your confirmation hearings and just be lying like that? Did they have their fingers crossed? I don't know. Can you provide a definition for the word woman. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't. Not in this context. I'm not a biologist. Not in this context. I cannot define woman. I am not a biologist. Brown lied. Clearly she knows what a woman is. Clearly she did not want to anger the left-wing base of the party of the president that nominated her by saying, of course I know what a woman is, and defining what a woman is. She lied, right, right, Wanda? But that lie is okay because it's going to get her a spot on this court at some point. That's okay. Just let's let's make sure we understand the rules here. It's, yeah, it's it's just it's just a bunch of horse. Shit. It really is. Yeah, kind of is. Now let's get to the attack on you and me because we we know less than she does. She lives in California and. Other like people like Colbert lives in in in, in New York, uh, and because you live in Ohio, or if you live in Missouri, or if you live in Iowa, live in Nebraska, live in Oklahoma, you are living one of those red things in the middle. Last <laughs> Go ahead. Wait, no, please, ma'am. No, um, it, it, well, to me, it's like the problem is that middle stuff. It's, it's those states in the middle that 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 red stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, why do they get to tell us? What to do when the majority of us live out, you know, New York, California, and we're paying for all this crap, really. I mean, right? Now, bad news for you. You do not pay any more taxes than we do in the middle. And I got more news for you. There are not more of you in those states than there are in the rest of the United States. There's 330 million people in the United States of America. The states of New York and California do not comprise the majority of them. So the the disinformation is flowing fast and free on the Colbert show. Yeah. We, we're putting the bill. Well, that's that's the union. It, it's yeah. supposed to be representative democracy, but it turns out to be minority rule right. There he is. This simple-minded, again, alleged comedian, in this case it's the host, not the guest, 
trying to say we're supposed to be a representative democracy. On what planet? In what country? What civics classes did you take to continue to repeat that we're supposed to be a democracy? We are not a democracy. We are a republic, and the difference is crucial. But you don't need to know that because you're just a comedian. Let's listen to another comedian now. This one is supposed to be a little more knowledgeable than the two pseudo-comedians that I just gave you because she's a member of Congress. She is one of the representatives in our representative republic. Let's listen to this comedy. The presidency, Congress, the president, Congress, and the Supreme Court are supposed to be three co-equal branches. Listen to civics explained by Alexandria Damasio-Cortez. I believe this is also on Colbert. Oh, equal. None with supremacy over the other. And when any one of those branches overreaches its authority, it is the responsibility of the other two to check the overreach of, of, that, of that authority. You mean like the President of the United States writing executive orders against the will of the court? You know, like Joe Biden admitted he was doing when he mandated COVID vaccinations for federal employees and contractors of the federal government. You remember that? He said he knew he couldn't do it, and he knew the court eventually would slap it down and stop it, but he wanted to do it for as long as he could until it reached the courts anyway. Isn't that what you mean by one branch overreaching and uh, their authority? Isn't that what you mean, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez? But please, continue. The Supreme Court has engaged in the overreaching of its authority in denying the human and civil rights of any pregnant person or person that could become pregnant in the United States of America. Two things there is this bubblehead just continues to give us an air show. Um, first, she goes to the pregnant person thing because too many people have been saying woman for the last six days. Oh, my gosh. We can't have people affirming what women are. So we got to go back to the pregnant person thing because, you know, of all of those guys, the ones with male anatomy, the ones with testicles and sperm and not the ones with uterus and ovaries, yet they can become pregnant, too. Right. So aside from that part, then there's the simple misstatement of fact here. The Supreme Court is denying no one anything. The Supreme Court is not denying anyone their, quote, right, which they do not have under the Constitution, to an abortion. No one. The Supreme Court is making no decisions here whatsoever. What did the Supreme Court do? Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, the Supreme Court said, let the people make their own minds up. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that your version of democracy? Let the people elect their own representatives, their own representation, to go to their state legislatures and enact that abortion rights law that you want them to in every state. Or let the will of the people, you just, you and and Colbert and Wanda Sykes are all talking about majority rule. Let the majority of the people make the decision to not have abortion be allowed free and unchecked in, in, in that particular state. This is precisely what the court's job is, is to say, quit putting all of this on the court. It's not on us. It's not our decision because we don't write laws. We are one of the three separate co-equal branches that you just referenced, and it's the legislative branch that writes the laws, not the Supreme Court. We're out. 
let the states do this themselves. Let the legislators do it. The Supreme Court did exactly what they are charged with doing. Try to explain that to a left-wing bubblehead, and you are going to come up empty every time. But I do appreciate her being on TV. Like I said, I enjoy the air show. 925, right back. So I don't know how much idiocy you can take in one uh, uh, in one segment. Uh, you heard Wanda Sykes, you heard Stephen Colbert, and you heard Alexandria Damasio Cortez. None of them, literally none of them, have any earthly idea what they're talking about. But what they are talking about is inspiring an awful lot of violence. The kind of things they are saying, the kind of things that Chuck Schumer said, the kinds of things that Nancy Pelosi has said, have uh, have instigated the summer of rage. And uh, this summer of rage started before, of course, Friday and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This started way back in early May when the uh, draft opinion was leaked. And they still have yet to identify the leaker who took that information and slipped it to a political reporter for the purpose of creating the summer of rage. Violence and intimidation and harassment trying to stop the opinion from actually becoming a reality from being released over 30 well no not over let me do this it's updated as of this morning since the supreme court leak 37 separate attacks against pregnancy centers and pro-life groups have been carried out 37 attacks they are only being stepped up now because people like Alexandria Damasio-Cortez are grabbing microphones and screaming into them take it to the streets get to the streets get to the streets what happens in the streets it's not a parade. It's a riot. These are assaults. These, this is vandalism. Pregnancy resource centers who have never done anything to anyone. Pro-life groups who have never done anything to anyone. Churches who have never done anything to anyone have all been targeted and assaulted and threatened with anarchist messages spray-painted on their buildings, pro-abortion symbols. Buildings have been set on fire. They have had their offices ransacked, and the groups who call themselves things like uh, um, J- uh, uh, Jane Was Here, uh, Ruth Sent Us, uh, Revenge, all planning for their, their summer of rage. After an attack in Madison, Wisconsin, Jane's Revenge claimed credit and said they were at war with pro-life groups. The problem is the pro-life groups aren't at war with anybody. They're just supporting life. They're not attacking. They're not throwing. They're not burning. They're not fighting. They're just praying. They demanded the disbanding of all anti-choice establishments, which means pro-death establishments, and said the first attack was only a warning. Since then, several attacks have used the words, Jane was here, revenge, and the group is planning a night of rage. So this, this um, violence, this, this insane response and reaction, targeting an organization, which is the pro-life organization, that is targeting no one. How can you be at war with someone who is not at war with you? Someone who is just sitting by, saying their prayers, and calling it a day. This is the insanity. This is the unhinged American left. And why do I bring it up? Because no one in the Democrat Party is stopping it. No one is condemning it. Nobody is specifically telling them to stop. And that speaks volumes about what they want. I'll be right back.
lightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, the next element of this that I want to discuss here briefly before I uh, get ready for Jim Renacci is going to be joining us to talk about a very, very cool thing. Uh, he'll be joining me in about eight minutes. Um, a lot of people in this town have been very, very excited about the return uh, to competitive status. Let's say that. They weren't a playoff team, but competitive status of the Cleveland Cavaliers. A lot of people are thrilled and excited. I'm not one of them. Although it hadn't been specifically because of the Cavaliers. It had just been against my, you know, because of my general disdain and disgust for the National Basketball Association and its divisive, racist, Black Lives Matter promotion, promotion of Marxism. It's uh, uh, just devotion to Chinese slave labor and Chinese communist uh, um, party murder, literally, of the Uyghur Muslims. The NBA is is just wholly owned by the by the Chinese Communist Party. So I've just I've turned it off for two years. I have not paid paid any attention to the NBA. But a lot of people are kind of get stoked, get a little bit excited if the Cavaliers return to being you know a a a, a positive team, a a competitive force, right? Well, I'm wondering if you're still going to watch when you read the press release that was announced and released uh, earlier this week. I guess it was on Monday. The Cleveland Cavaliers are going to pay for travel costs for employees who are seeking to get an abortion. Quote, the Cleveland Cavaliers monsters charge Cavs Legion, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and Rock Entertainment Group stand for equality and believe in having full access to reproductive health. It's a fundamental freedom of choice all women should have. Reproductive health. You love that vernacular, don't you? Reproductive health. It's not very healthy for the baby that's being dismembered, but ah, I digress. Prioritizing the well-being of our team members, employees, means that to ensure they have the ability to make personal decisions about their health and future, we will now cover the costs to travel outside Ohio for reproductive health care, i.e. killing their babies, to the fullest extent permitted by state law. We strongly encourage our team members' right to make health care choices, and we will continue to do so on, uh, do so on our relentless pursuit for equal opportunity, end quote. So the Cavaliers are going to provide whatever the travel costs are for their employees to travel outside the state of Ohio to a state that will allow them to murder their baby more efficiently, more, more effectively, more quickly. Okay, that's, that's dynamite. That's, that's well done, Cavs. Not sure how many conservative-minded people who were watching, uh, were uh, watching the Cavaliers already because of the reasons I just discussed, but I wonder how many now. I wonder how many they're going to alienate with this move. But moreover, what I really want to know here is how much money are they going to give to women who are in their employ who are saving their babies, who are having their babies, who are giving their babies life? Because I will tell you this. If I was a woman, and yes, only women can have babies left. Only women can bear children. Only women have wombs. You understand that? If I was a woman working for the Cavaliers, Monsters, Charge, Cavs, Legion, Rocket Mortgage, Fieldhouse, or Rock Entertainment Group, and I was pregnant, and I was not going to murder my baby, but actually going to carry my baby, and I'm going to have give birth to my baby, and I'm going to raise my baby and give it life. 
I would demand an equal paycheck for whatever it is that they gave the woman who decided she was going to go outside of the state of Ohio and kill hers. And this goes for the Cavaliers, for Kroger grocery stores, for Dick's Sporting Goods, and for every other company that has said to their female employees, go kill your babies, we'll pay for it. It's cheaper than paying for your maternity leave. If they're going to pay for women to murder their babies, then they damn well better come up with an equal matching amount for women who are having their babies. If not, ladies, lawyer up. You are being discriminated against based on your decision to have your child. Your co-worker is getting money to abort hers. You should get money to give life to yours. I'm going to talk about that with a with a lawyer coming up at 1010. It's one of the stories Peter Kersenow and, uh, and I will discuss. As for now, it's 945. Take a time out so we can clear the decks. Jim Renacci, former gubernatorial candidate, former congressman, has got something new to do. And uh, he wants you to join him in that effort. He'll join. W-H-K. Okay, 948, excuse me, 948, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer, and of course, online at alwaysright.us. Make sure you check it out for the latest news and stories, latest interviews uh, that you may have missed, all posted there for you. Joining me now, speaking of interviews, is a familiar voice, a familiar familiar name, of course. He was on my program literally every week. We had him on every Friday when he was a member of Congress, uh, representing Ohio 16. And uh, then, of course, we've been speaking to him as a candidate for the Ohio gubernatorial primary on the Republican side last month. Now he has found a new venture. And Jim Renacci joins us to tell us exactly what that is. Congressman slash candidate, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you? Oh, I don't know what to call you anymore. Are we going to call you a congressman? Are we going to call you a former candidate? Are we going to call you, uh, you know, now, now, uh, now the leader of a, of a very important uh, organization prioritize, prioritizing American values? I don't know. What do we call you anymore? Well, it's, it's funny, Bob. I was down in Claremont County uh, just two nights ago speaking about some of these issues, and, and, and people say, you know what, I'm happy to see you haven't given up. And that's the problem. Too many people, they get into a fight, and then they lose, and they decide, well, I'm just going to give up and go home. The problem is it's too important. Our country's too important. Our state's too important. My grandchildren are too important, and I'm going to stay in the fight. And uh you know, you said that but before you tell us what that is, and and as much as you as you want, because I don't know what the official in, announcement plan is here. But before you tell us what that is, you said that to me on an, on the air shortly after that primary, and you also posted about it on Facebook. I have a distinct distinct memory of you saying something to the effect of, "If anybody thinks Jim Renacci is just going to go slinking away uh, with his tail between his legs because he lost a primary, then you don't know Jim Renacci because you have a lot of very important things planned in order to to, to make an impact on our state, uh, on our country." And and it was very clear that you weren't just going to be like, oh, I ran, I lost, now I'm going to go fade away into my business world or into retirement. So I knew you were going to be doing something. It's very important to you, isn't it? Well, yes, and too many candidates do that. And look, um, I knew when I challenged a sitting governor, you know, people started right up front and said, Jim, you have a 3% chance of winning. Uh, he's going to spend a lot of money. But I said, it's not about, it. look, it's about challenging people who aren't doing the right things. And it's about 
trying to make a difference. And if you lose and still get things accomplished. So, look, I, I challenged a sitting governor. I caused him to sign, uh, you know, care, constitutional carry, which he said he would never do. He, he signed uh, stand your ground, which he said he never would do. He moved to the right. I still remember uh, someone in leadership of the Republican Party saying to me almost two years ago when I first uh, – uh, when he thought I was going to run, he said, you'll spend money, but you'll cause him to move back to the right. And that's exactly what I did. Now, we got to keep our elected officials moving to the right. And my goal will be to continue to always do that. And and this PAC, uh, as, that I become chairman of American Greatness, will give me that opportunity, but not only in Ohio, but other states. And I think that's what's important. Um, we cannot let our country or our state just to continue to go in the direction it's going. When 95% of the people say we're going in the wrong direction in our country, and 78% of the people in Ohio say we're going in the wrong direction, and yet we keep electing the same people, we have to keep challenging them. And that will always be my goal, is to challenge people, uh, whether it's in a primary or whether it's out of a pack, but not challenge them. It's a continue to educate. Bob, the biggest problem we have is, People don't understand the system. They don't understand the issues. I appreciate what you're doing on your radio station because you are bringing these issues to the, to, to the forefront every day. But we got to bring them statewide and nationally to the forefront as well. So you mentioned, uh, Jim, that it's going to be a pack, uh, and you mentioned the words American greatness. I watched a little sneak preview of uh, the video announcing what this pack does and is, what the American greatness pack is. It is uh, American greatness. Uh, it is MAGA. Uh, it is built on the principles of America first that President Trump, of course, brought to the table in 2016 and used to guide this country for four years with the support of people like you and so many others. So tell us more about this pack and tell us uh, what, if anything, people can do to be involved. Well, look, you said it. It's about, it's about the policies and principles, not about the, the man anymore. Uh, Trump did lead the MAGA movement, and the MAGA movement will continue. The problem is in the last two and a half years, we've gotten away from that nationally. We've gotten away from that even in, in many of the states. And many of the candidates and many of the people in these states that believed in it are still there. So what I learned over the last month, I'll say, is that I'm talking to people in Pennsylvania, in Texas, in uh, uh, other states that are important to our country. And they're saying, you know what, we've lost our way on the MAGA movement. And we're going to announce many uh, of, of people on the board, advisory board, from these other states that all believe the MAGA movement is important. You know, a faith-based family values, ending illegal immigration, self-governance, energy independence, finishing the wall, securing our elections. Um, we're going to be doing that in many of these states. We're going to be announcing speakers. We're going to be announcing speakers in Ohio. And then we're going to allow the MAGA movement to come back and prosper and grow. And I think we're going to try and build this because we really do believe that the next presidential election will be about the MAGA movement, even if it's not about President Trump. Now, we know he may jump back in the election, and that's great if he does, because he is the, the, the person who brought the MAGA movement forward. But even if it's not him, whether it's DeSantis or Nome or whoever it is, they need to be able to get behind the MAGA movement, and they will. And I think that's going to be the key. And we want to be the PAC nationally that that continues to say the MAGA movement is the direction our country 
needs to go in. Now, I will tell you a couple specifics in, for your listeners. We're going to build in Ohio an Ohio scorecard. It's basically going to score everybody, not just, you know, the problem in, in the federal government is we have the heritage scorecard. Well, that's great. It scored 48 votes out of my 5,500 votes. That's not a valuable scorecard. Um, we are going to do what Texas did, which is score every vote. And we're going to implement a system where every vote is scored as to whether it, it's a MAGA vote or an anti-MAGA vote, whether it supports the values and principles going forward. So look forward to seeing an Ohio scorecard very similar to a Texas scorecard. And you can see what Texas is doing. It's texasscorecard.com. We've been working with Texas right now on their scorecard as to how to implement it in Ohio. We're also going to do a Save Our Schools. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go around the state. We started the process actually last night. We're going to develop uh, a team around the state, in Ohio especially, and, and we're going to lead that. That really pushes school boards and, and developing. Because one thing I saw when I ran for governor is people – want to get their schools back. They want to eliminate CRT, social-emotional learning. They want to eliminate this comprehensive sexual education. Well, we can do that. And there are a whole bunch of organizations, Bob, trying to do that already, and we don't want to step on them. We want to actually help them. So we're going to develop a pack. We're going to raise money, and we're going to try and support candidates around the 613 school districts in the state of Ohio that also believe, you know, in the policies of MAGA. And then we're going to do elections reforms, uh, especially here in Ohio, but also around the country. And I could talk for on and on, but let me give you an example. When, when only 44% of Republicans voted in a Republican primary and 56% of independents and Democrats voted, that's not a Republican primary. And it's not a Democrat primary when independents and Republicans can cross over either. We've got to fix that. We've also got to fix the idea that just because you miss a primary, you're not a Republican, um, two or two primaries in a row. Once you register as a Republican, you are a Republican until you decide to become an independent. Uh, so there are a lot of reforms that I'm talking to legislature, the legislature about in, in uh, Ohio, um, and we've got to do that as well. But it's not just Ohio. It's Texas. It's, it's uh, Pennsylvania. It's Kentucky. I mean, there's states all around that are going to join this movement, and, and we're going to mimic it state by state and get it done in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and other states as well. Wow. That is a, a phenomenal goal. And, you know, it's, it, you're calling it American greatness, which, of course, is a reference to Make America Great Again MAGA. Of course, in President Trump's second term, or second uh, uh, campaign, rather, you know, it was Keep America Great. And now we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, restoring America's greatness with this PAC. And that is such a noble goal. You mentioned President Trump, whether he runs or not. What he started here is something that's going to carry on. It has to, because we saw unparalleled and, in many ways, unprecedented success for the four years that MAGA was the policy of the land when President Trump was in office. It can and must survive his exit, whether that exit is already here or whether he you know, gets four more years. It, it, it's something that is much bigger than one man, isn't it? Well, absolutely, and and that's the that's the key. It is the movement, not the man. It is not now. This isn't a slam on the man. It's it's actually saying that what the man did was important, 
but the movement needs to continue, and we need to make sure that we're pushing that. You know, we can fight as conservatives about election reform, and but it's more than that. This is what frustrates me. It's more than just, well, the election was stolen in 2020. It is so much more than that. It's energy independence. It's save our schools. It's finish the wall. It's illegal immigration. It's self-governance. It's all the things that President Trump was doing from 2016 to 2020 that now got all tied up into a, a campaign of election, you know, oh, the election was stolen. Hey, we got to have election reform. We got to make sure elections aren't stolen. Right. But it's so much more. It is. It is indeed. So, for people who want to know more about uh, American greatness and this pack uh, that has been founded and started by Jim Renacci and a host of other strong American patriots, you, of which Jim will be the chair, uh, I already have the video up. It's a YouTube video, and it is linked right now on my homepage, alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. Uh, Jim, super quick, because I'm up against the top of the hour here. But how can people who want to get involved get involved? Well, sign up. Go to the website. I will tell you that. And by the way, this was American Greatness Fund dot com, right? America. Apologies if I said formed. Uh, You're you're part of the the start of this, obviously the launch as its chair. So thank you. Uh, But just uh, looking at the website, it's American Greatness Fund dot com. That's where people can go to sign up. Go ahead and continue. Yes, and it was formed a couple years back. It uh, it is has board members like Laura Trump and others that have been on it. We're going to announce new board members, and some same similar board members. It's already funded. It already has money. Um, we're just going to take it to the next step. So I want to make sure this, this is not something Jim Renacci started. I'm being asked to take it to the next step, uh, and I plan on doing that. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Renacci, really appreciate your time. Always enjoy talking with you, but especially about something like this that can you know, uh, pay a lot of dividends for the people of Ohio and, as you say, as this is replicated in other states uh, for people across this country who really believe in the MAGA movement, who really believe in American greatness. Uh, again, surviving any one individual, that's what this is all about. Thank you for letting us know, for making the announcement, and we, of course, will follow up with you on a frequent basis on this. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. You do the same. Thank you. That's Jim Renacci, uh, AmericanGreatnessFund.com. Check it out or go to Always Right Radio and uh, check it out for yourself. Watch the video, learn a, more, learn a little bit more about this important pack. We'll get news now, and then we'll talk to Peter Kersenow. Special Kersenow Day today on Wednesday on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate Jim Renacci helping to launch by way of being the chair of the American Greatness Pack. Uh, it sounds like it's going to do some tremendous work, and I'm very much looking forward to highlighting some of that uh, with them and bringing that to the airwaves. And hopefully you can volunteer as well. Go to that website, AmericanGreatnessFund.com. Uh, Again, AmericanGreatnessFund.com. 
Uh, special treat for you on this Wednesday edition, on this 29th morning of the sixth month, year of our Lord 2022. Wednesday is a Kersenau day. At least this week it is. Pete was traveling on business and work yesterday. Peter Kersenau, a uh, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Cleveland attorney, best-selling author, columnist, sometimes... Um, uh, law professor, and of course the host of the Kersenau Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Pete, thanks for making the time today. How are you, good sir? Uh, I'm doing great, Bob, and thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. All right, Peter Kersenau, I, you know, <clears throat> this is one of those, we, we always have too much to talk about in our three segments together. <clears throat> this is one of those things where we could do four or five days and still not get to the end of it because of the opinions and the views that you will have an offer and that I want to follow up on. So I'm just going to kind of run down some of the most important things to me over the course of this uh, Supreme Court calendar uh, and in this list of opinions that they have offered. I mean, we have the Roe versus Wade overturned because of Dobbs in Mississippi, and the Democrats' fundamental either misunderstanding of it or their intentional presentation of misinformation about what it does and what it says. I want your thoughts on that. I want your thoughts on why they have pointed specifically among the six justices who, uh, in the majority opinion on Dobbs and the five who committed to overturning Roe, why are all fingers pointed at Clarence Thomas? And why are the, are the attacks so vile and so racist from the supposedly tolerant Black Lives Matter supporting left? I want to talk about the idea that the Democrats can just put pop-up abortion clinics in federal parks and in federal, uh, tribal lands and other places that are not states' rights, so they can just have, fly people to those places, kill their babies, and fly them right back out again. I want to talk about uh, the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers and many, many corporations nationwide have said, don't worry about it, ladies. You want to kill your babies? We got you. We'll pay for your trip to take you to a state, if you are in a state that will not allow you to kill your baby efficiently here, we'll pay for you to fly, travel to another state. I want to talk about prayer on the football field, Peter. I want to talk about gun rights uh, being affirmed. <laughs> to, to, to not just Bob, keep them... I have such a limited agenda here. I know. I know. Well, see, but here's the thing, Pete. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm laying out before you a buffet. You can pick and choose what you want to put on your plate. You can't do all of these. So I just kind of want to lay out the buffet here, all right? And you decide what you want to do. Um, but uh, the New York uh, gun rights case, not only can we keep arms, we can bear them without having to explain ourselves to the government. The Democrats threatened to go to Canada. They always do, but now it's apparently <laughs> trending on... It's apparently trending on Google how to make this happen, so they're actually looking into the travel arrangements now, <laughs> which is a step up. And then, of course, the summer of rage against churches and, and pro-life clinics and so forth. So, Pete, that's I, I wanted to give you a smorgasbord here to choose from because I can't just pick one or the other. I want to, what is most important to you, Peter Kirshnow, to be heard on? Go well, on. boy, every single one of those, it's difficult to choose which one. I guess in a kind of a macro scale, abortion would be the most important one, obviously, because it's something that goes to fundamentally who we are as human beings and also as a nation. Uh, it's not simply a secular issue. But uh, the one that's probably... Oh, oh, hey, hey, Pete, hey, Pete, there's yeah. a dessert cart, too. And on the dessert cart that you can choose from, it's actually just one thing I'm going to ask you about. And that is um, West Virginia versus the EPA, which we have not yet heard oh, yeah. a decision on. But that's enormous because it's that specifically really big. how the government is run. But Yeah, ahead. that is, in my estimation, it has a greater potential for impact, presuming it goes a certain way, right. than does uh, the gun decision. Uh, obviously, there's nothing bigger than uh, the Dobbs decision. But um, in terms of the way it impacts everybody, the West Virginia versus EPA decision is gigantic. And I've, I've litigated in this 
this area before, uh, all the way up through the D.C. Circuit on a couple of occasions, challenging rules that have been uh, promulgated by agencies. This is a big deal. Yes, uh, but for me, I think the, the most immediate one, the, the matter that uh, I, I guess is most current, is testimony I only saw snippets of while I was waiting in the airport, and that's the testimony of Casey Hutchison, I think that's her name, right, who allegedly claims that Trump was acting... <laughs> Complete lunatic, and it, because somebody told is, her second secondhand right. hearsay. By the way, just FYI, this is, where, <laughs> this is where we are in this country, where the the mainstream press, and that's virtually everybody, just leaps on something so fundamentally fundamentally absurd and flawed that doesn't pass the smell test. We have heard so many nutty things about Trump such as starting with the P-tape. Remember that one? That started off the, the entire presidency. Before he was even inaugurated, we retreated to the P-tape, and they credulously reported that, breathlessly repeated it. And this is at least as absurd as that one. Yet for a year and a half, somehow, despite the fact that the entire media establishment is all over Trump and it will repeat anything, negative about Trump, that somehow, you know, he was piloting f- flying saucers, it, it, whatever it is, they will repeat it. Yet this thing for a year and a half apparently didn't get out. Okay, so we're supposed to believe this thing that's not just hearsay, but is just so implausible as to defy belief. The fact that, it, let, let's just look at the, the logistics of it. Everybody has seen the presidential limo. I've seen it up close and personal. Um, what she describes as supposedly happened in the limo is a physical impossibility. It's just, it cannot happen. But the point of fact of the matter is that what we have here is a kangaroo court on steroids. We have somebody come forth after a year and a half where none of this has ever, ever been breathed. Okay, it's something that would clearly have been electric and radioactive and repeated by everybody and anybody comes forth with hearsay testimony and is not subject to cross-examination. This is so much baloney. And you can tell it's baloney, by the way, I, I took a quick Google search of <clears throat> the various news outlets, you know, the ABC, CNN, the, the typical ones, you know, all, all the mainstream press, and they're breathlessly going uh, along with it, just repeating it, because they've got nothing else. Everyone has made a decision. And you know this, Bob, and your listeners know this. This hearing has not moved the needle at all. First of all, hardly anybody's watching it. Second of all, everyone has made a decision with respect to January 6th and or Trump a long time ago. Third, everyone fundamentally understands, even if you are not imbued in you know due process rights or anything of that nature, everyone fundamentally understands the grievous flaws inherent in this committee, which was a kangaroo court on steroids. It's a, it's a show trial, as a number of people have said, where one side's not participating, and the purported uh, conservatives are anything but that, and were appointed by Pelosi, not by the other side. No cross-examination. This is so much baloney. I think if it moves the needle at all, I think it moves the needle slightly in Republicans' favor because people are sick of the juxtaposition of their real lives. That is, record inflation, record gas prices, record murder rates, record illegal immigration. We've got 40, 50 people, more 50 people counting dead on the border. And, and our press secretary telling us the border is closed. No baby formula. Afghanistan debacle. Ukraine, where, you know, Biden practically gives an invitation when he's speculating moronically uh, about what happens if Putin invades Ukraine. I mean, this is the kind of... Pete, i got to uh, jump in here because i got to get you back on task. I presented you with a 
massive smorgasbord table of food. You walked past it down to the kids' uh, card table with a bologna sandwich on it and grabbed one of those. That's what I see these January 6th hearings, hearings as. You're right. They're bologna. Nobody cares. They're not moving the needle. I don't think we should give it as much time as we are. I really don't. I, you know, with with no, Roe you know, on the table I, and all the other things, this nonsense is uh, is to me. I don't think deserving of the of, of any coverage. Quite. That's why I haven't talked about the, it. The reason I think it's deserving of coverage, Bob, is because nobody covers it honestly anymore. I think this goes beyond Trump and everything else. This goes again to endemic media corruption that is really harming our society greatly. Because most people of goodwill aren't paying close attention to the discrete issues of the day. And they get most of their news from the dominant media, the media that controls 90% of public discourse. And it really harms the country in ways that go beyond Trump. The fact of the matter is we have so many people. Now, we're seeing this. I haven't seen in my lifetime the kind of... um, uh, no faith in the institutions. And when that happens, when people do not have faith in our institutions, all manner of bad things happen. And as the founders said, all of this is contingent upon a just and moral man, okay? But to the extent the media doesn't report about what's going on, we're not making moral decisions anymore. This has deep implications for our governance on a go-forward basis. But I'm happy to discuss any other issues you want to, Bob. Yeah, well, uh, obviously, as I in the list that I gave you, the the probably the first four had to do with with what happened on Friday. They had to do with Roe. Why don't we? Why don't, I want to go to specifically to the one that I said where the Democrats and their fundamental misrepresentation or misunderstanding of what Roe does. They continue to claim that these nine people don't decide what women do with their bodies. Suddenly, they know what women are again. By the way, uh, they don't get to decide what women do with their bodies, Pete. The Supreme Court agrees. That's exactly what they said. Right. They said, this isn't up to us. In no way, shape, or form, it should never have been ruled on. This is up to the people to decide what they do with their bodies and what laws and restrictions they may place on it. So we're giving it to the people. Put it in the states. The state legislators represent the people. You don't like what they do. Get rid of them and put people in who do. This is exactly what, what the Supreme Court did and the Democrats and the radical left are telling us that this that the that the Supreme Court has stripped away the rights of these women to do something that was never ever in the Constitution in the first place. They just trust the fundamental ignorance of the American public, do they not? They do because it's worked for them. Let's face it; they wouldn't be elected if it weren't for the ignorance, which is frankly perpetuated by the left and their media organs, so that they can get past absurd propositions that otherwise would not survive beyond, you know, lunchtime. That's what they do. And they've been doing it with a number of other issues, too. But most importantly, we, it used to be when Roe versus Wade was the law of the land that, um, you know, they would simply say that they were pro-choice. But what we've seen is now the mask being stripped away of many of the Democratic leaders and progressive leaders, where they're actively, it's almost like it's a pro-baby death party, uh, where they're paying for abortions. They're, they're, why would you, if you are so-called pro-choice, because the choice is still available to you, okay, why would you then target Catholic churches, pro-life centers, places of that nature. What does that have to do with your choice? What you are doing there is promoting abortion. Now, whatever you think, and you know, you know where I stand on this, Bob, and I don't, you know, want to go off on a theological rant. But uh, whatever your position on this is, 
can we have the consensus in this country? Are, are we so poisoned and radicalized that we can't have a consensus that abortion is not a good thing? No matter how you look at it, there is a life in play, and that life is destroyed. That is a fact. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It can't be massaged or painted over or translated into something that's a positive good. Yet what we have here is a lot of people out here just going on and on now about really death, as if the the baby is some type of alien life form, as and not even an alien life form, it's some kind of a parasite. That that's what they call it. it. They call it a parasite. My goodness, this is this. Where have we sunk to in this country? Again, going back to the founding fathers, and you have to go back to founding fathers. Any person of goodwill, and there are people who are who have goodwill but are simply mistaken. But right. when you do a deep dive into your conscience, and I'm not going to you know blame everybody who hasn't. You know, I don't expect everybody to be deeply invested in this thing and do philosophical uh, you know checks on this. But if so you just pause for a second and ask yourself, is this a good thing? Would you prefer that there would be no or fewer abortions? I think most people, the consensus would be, say, yes, it's a better thing, regardless of what your stance is on this, because at bare minimum, although I think the, the, the question has been asked and answered ad infinitum, at bare minimum, you have to say, there's a life at play here, uh, however you want to characterize it or categorize it. Uh, but we've gotten to a point where we are pro-death where the most evil, that's the only way I can put it, sorry. It, you look at some of the demonstrations, the displays we see, it's sheer evil. It's almost like it's from some type of 1940s, um, one of these uh, the movies that, uh, you know, de- depicts uh, Weimar Republic, even worse than that, or some type of, uh, you know, uh, play from the, the 1500s regarding, you know, uh, Dante's Inferno, whatever it may be, you know, think of the worst things you can think of. And we're seeing it displayed in raw form right now by a lot of individuals. Uh, but uh, I think that is a, uh, I think the Democrats, because of the litany of things I just recited a moment ago, inflation, mm-hmm. gas prices, etc., have seized upon it, not just because of that subject matter, but because they can't talk about anything else. Because everything else that politicians have uh, uh, at least some control over has gone so radically bad under the majority leadership of the Democratic Party. So they need to seize upon this and exaggerate things and distort things to the extent possible to the detriment of the fabric of our republic, especially the moral fabric of our republic. Peter, there's so many follow-ups that I have to that, but obviously we have other things to get to, too. Let's take our time out here at 1024. Uh, we'll come right back and uh, squeeze in another quickie on this issue with Peter Kirschnow as we continue. I've got Pete for pretty much the rest of the hour. Pete, you didn't know that. But i got you for the rest of the hour, and we will continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1027. Pete, i got about two and a half minutes here before the bottom of the hour news. I just want to get to the Clarence Thomas portion of this, as I mentioned to you in my little uh, presentation of the buffet. You know, it, there, there were six justices who voted uh, in the, in the uh, majority in Dobbs and five who voted to completely overturn Roe. 
and they're focusing all of their anger and their ire on on one, and that's Clarence Thomas. Uh, black liberals are attacking Clarence Thomas, Samuel L. Jackson, Lori Lightfoot, Whoopi Goldberg among them. Uh, white liberals, apparently it's the only time you can criticize somebody of color without being called a, 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 you know, a racist and a white nationalist is if that, cons- if that black person is a conservative, and in this case, specifically Clarence Thomas. He was a target from the moment he was nominated, as we all know, uh, with the high-tech lynching. But, Pete, in this particular case, he didn't even write the majority opinion. Sam Alito did. And rather than focusing on Alito in the language, they're focusing all of their hatred toward Clarence Thomas, a black man. How do you explain that? Two things. One is the left is endemically racist. And we can talk about that for a long time, Bob, but, you know, I've been black for a long time in this country, and I can give you examples of it. Number two is he committed the most unforgivable sin if you are a black person in America, and that is he strayed off the liberal plantation, and they will hunt you down like an escaped slave when you do that. As long as you mouth the prescribed opinions, the dictated opinions of the progressives, they will love you to death. But the minute you start to think for yourself, the minute you utter a discouraging or dissenting word, they will track you down like they they, they did back in the 1840s, hunt you down, make sure they make an example of you so that nobody else does the same thing. And the political reason for that, and there's a whole host of other reasons, you can go to psychological reasons, sociological reasons, but the, the raw political reason, uh, as I've said before, the curse now dictum, unless Democrats get 88% plus, 88% plus of the black vote, they have no hope, no hope whatsoever of winning a national election. None whatsoever. And it's getting worse because right now they're suffering a hemorrhaging among Hispanic workers. So that 88% must have to be up now to make, uh, to make up for the loss of Hispanic voters. And let's face it, under the Biden administration, a lot of white voters. That's the unforgivable sin of Clarence Thompson. On top of that, as I said, it's just it galls them that he's his own man, that he thinks for himself, that he doesn't just mouth the platitudes that are inserted into your mouth by the Democratic Party. So that's his unforgivable sin. They will never, ever, ever forget that. And they don't care who wrote the opinion. They want to use him as the image of what you're supposed to hate. Just like in 1984, two minutes of hate, he's the person that you hate. Peter Kirsten now joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Well argued, my friend, and it's interesting to know that you say you've been black for a long time in this country, pretty much for all time, as long as you've known it, right? Just, yeah, just well, pretty much. That didn't start life, halfway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete, I want to talk about other court decisions that have been made in this session. I want to talk about the guns, and I want to talk about West Virginia versus the EPA. We both agree it might be as big or maybe more monumental than even yeah. the Roe decision because it could literally change the way the U.S. government is run. Uh, uh, so right. I want to talk about that as well. So we'll uh, continue with Kirsten now after the news on AM 1420. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, 1038 now, continuing with Peter Kersenow on AM 1420, The Answer. If you are unfamiliar with Pete and you're new to the show, Pete is a uh, is the longest-serving member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. Uh, he has a lot of experience in dealing with the Supreme Court. He has sat for three, right, Pete, Th- uh, and, the, uh, and testified in the confirmation hearings of three court members, right, justices? Five. 
Five. Five. Oh, my. I knew it was an odd number. I picked the wrong one. Five different uh, Supreme Court justices. Uh, so he's got a lot of experience here, and his opinion matters maybe more than most. So, Pete, let me just kind of branch off to a couple of the other ones that have been decided, and then I want to talk about the West Virginia versus the EPA, because it's important. Um, tell, tell me the, your thoughts on the New York uh, uh, case that came down Thursday. It sent the Democrats and the leftists into a tizzy, and they quickly forgot about it because the next day Roe came down, which I thought was, I thought was phenomenal. <laughs> Very, very smart, by the way, for the court to say on Thursday, yes, you can have guns for self-protection, uh, and you don't have to explain to the government right, why, right. because on Friday they knew that everybody was going to be attacked by these wild, radical, violent people, uh, which is exactly what happened. But anyway, um, you know, the case in New York, of course, was one where the uh, state said, uh, you have to convince us that you deserve to carry your firearm in public to, to uh, concealed carry. Uh, you know, And, of course, the court just very simply said, you know, it's in the Second Amendment that you get to keep and bear arms, and you don't have to explain your reasoning for wanting to do so. How how impactful is that big picture? And 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 I asked that question, Pete, juxtaposed with the Senate bill that went to the House and was quickly confirmed there, or rather quickly passed there, uh, and uh, sent to Biden for uh, for for a signature, which he gave it, and that of course included the red flag laws that uh, take due process away from anybody who's a gun owner. Right. I mean, there's so much to say, so much to unpack about this. Let me just see, and these may not necessarily be the most important points with respect to uh, the gun decision, but um, as, boy, I can't remember if it was Alito or Thomas said that no other fundamental right that's enshrined in the Constitution is subject to the kind of scrutiny that the Second Amendment has. They said it much more eloquently, but in point of fact, what they were saying was that um, the rights that you have were not subject to the type of vetting and, uh, and approval by the government that is implicit in some of the Second Amendment restrictions that you see in various liberal states. And that's precisely right. We don't defer or, or uh, abandon our rights simply because certain people don't like those rights. Those are enshrined in the Constitution. But I think it's a... Um, it's an important decision. Uh, I think that uh, it really sets markers that liberals and liberal institutions and states can't encroach upon. So it's a good, good thing. Um, and, you know, um, I think it of, of the decisions, a lot of people will say this. Um, we have been seeing gun grabs going on for quite some time now. And the purpose of the Second Amendment, obviously, is to make sure that we have that it's a well-regulated militia. But one of the principal reasons you want a well-regulated militia, remember the context, and some of this was described in the Supreme Court decision. The context is that you have this uh, omnipotent, almost, state that has so many powers and can do almost anything it wants to its subjects. And we're getting to a point now, I don't mean to be histrionic about this, but you look at the the power of the state right now or the manner in which it's being exercised by this administration and progressives in general and what they would like to do, what they would like to control with respect to our lives. And it's not hyperbole to say that a check against overreach is the Second Amendment and the realization that you can only do so much before the people say no mas. Now, does that mean people are going to rise up in a quote-unquote insurrection? No. It's just that there's a point of stasis. That is, government will not move into a certain sphere or a penumbra, if you you wish to put it that way, because they know there would be pushback. They couldn't command 
the police forces or the FBI, for example, to do certain things. There's a buffer there. They can't go. They've been pushing it as far as they can. And we've seen that in the last couple of years. But at the end of the day, uh, we're not like some of these other countries where they've been completely deprived of um, armaments. Of course, they don't have the Second Amendment. Um, and the governments can do – it, it reverts to a kind of overweening statism at best and uh, uh, depotism at worst. It is our check against an overreaching government. So from that perspective, I think it's a very, very important case. It has implications that go beyond merely whether or not, uh, you know, for example, somebody can um, – uh, uh, have a concealed carry. It is. It sets parameters in terms of any plausible restrictions. Those include red flag laws. Not not all red flag laws necessarily, but you know, again, red flag laws are the issue of the day. And this decision, I think, puts into grave jeopardy overreach among those laws. All right, Peter. That's a great explanation. Um... I want to take one quick step back. I apologize because I said I wanted to get into the other decisions, and I do. But but there was one I, I kind of skipped over that I intended to ask you about the abortion uh, ruling, um, and that is the reaction to it by the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Kroger Corporation, uh, I mean dozens of big, giant national corporations and chains have all said to their female employees, if you live in a state in which abortion has been restricted or banned outright and you wish to have one, never fear. We will pay your travel expenses and give you the paid time off to go and have your abortion in another state. Um, some of them have put a cap on it at $4,000. Some of them have just basically left it open-ended saying we'll pay your expenses and so forth. Um, I want your opinion just on that approach and then your opinion from a uh, your opinion from a legal perspective as to whether or not a woman who is pregnant who works for one of these corporations who says I don't want to kill my baby I want to give life to my baby if they should be entitled to the same check whatever the amount they are willing to give somebody to go and kill their baby then you better add that onto my paycheck in addition to my maternity leave because I'm giving life to my baby otherwise I've been discriminated against uh, at least that's how I'm seeing it, and maybe it's because I'm jaded and biased and disgusted by the entire affair. But that's uh, what I, why I'm asking you to bring a, you know, a legal opinion. Yeah, um, I, I haven't given any thought, and I hate to opine about things without any thought. But nonetheless, because I'm on your show, um, with respect, <laughs> you'll do it anyway. <laughs> and people can call me up and tell me I'm an idiot. But there's no, um, I don't think that there's any legal problem with a company doing it. I mean, there there are moral issues. There are public relations issues. There are all kinds of other issues. You know, many of us think that it's an abomination to do something like that. But, you know, if that's the way a private actor wants to conduct their business, well, that's up to them. And, you know, they, they can curry favor with those who think it's a great thing. And they can suffer their program from those who don't think it's a good thing. Um, but I don't know that there would be a legal basis to challenge that from uh others. In other words, is there some type of discrimination going on that's protected by law? I'd want to think about that some more, and it may also be dependent upon the laws of a particular jurisdiction, a particular state in which one of these companies operates. But nonetheless, I don't think, I don't see a legal issue there right off the top of my head. Now, you know, there's the Pregnancy Non-Discrimination Act. Could it somehow be interpreted to prohibit, uh, uh, you know, that type of selective 
um, uh, reproductive care, if you want to put it that way. I don't see it as reproductive care. No, there's no reproducing going on. But the, the fact of the matter is that I don't think so. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to listen to people. I'm li- willing to think about it a little bit more, you know, catching this right off the top of my head. I can't think of, of something. From um, whether or not it's the right thing to do from a business standpoint, well, you know, they'll make that determination. I'm presuming that they think that um, they're on the side of the quote-unquote angels, no pun intended, in doing something of this nature. And let's face it, so many companies have gone completely woke. What's amazing to me is they haven't seen what has happened to companies that have gone woke. And Disney is the best example. Disney lost nearly 40% market capitalization losses of tens of billions of dollars after it decided to go woke. And a number of other companies have decided to go woke have suffered the same kind of ramifications, target, you name it, big companies all over the place. You can go down the litany. Yeah, and, and you um, know what, Pete, that's, that's not even the real focus for me because you're right. <laughs> the people will decide, the fan base or the customer base or whatever. The market will, will decide whether or not people are uh, going to make these woke companies go broke or not but I want to stay on the legal part because that's where you come in so just to just to kind of do this with it with a very basic hypothetical okay two 30 year old women and equal uh, uh, levels of the hierarchy if you will of employment with the Cleveland Cavaliers two 30 year old women both of them call them junior vice presidents in marketing or something whatever let's say each of them makes and I don't have any clue just for the sake of discussion each of them makes forty five thousand dollars a year okay both of them get pregnant at the same time Three months in, uh, 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 junior vice president A says, I want to have an abortion. I don't want to have this baby. Uh, can't do it in the state of Ohio because it's way past the fetal heartbeat, six-week level here. So I need to go out of state to do that. Cavaliers come forward and say, here's four grand. Go do your business. Person B or woman B, junior vice president B says, I'm having my baby. And you know what? It's expensive to have my baby. I have a lot of things that I have to buy, including car seats, including uh, cribs, including, you know, getting a nursery ready and on and on and on down the line here. Um, can I have four grand for my baby to live? Can the Cavaliers, from a legal perspective, say, you get four grand to go kill your baby? No, you don't get four grand to go help your baby live. How can that possibly be justified as non-discriminatory? Well, well, it's it's discriminatory, but there's a lot of things that are discriminatory that are not legally discriminatory. That is, yeah, well, that that's, is yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm asking. Is you the know, part. Uh, yeah. you know, there there's a lot of let's for example, Title VII prohibits prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex. So, mm-hmm. for example, if an insurance policy, if a medical policy of a company um, had provisions that you know are somewhat similar in terms of the medical coverage, but they don't provide coverage for females in the same regard as males, then, you know, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. Here you're talking, you don't have a sex discrimination uh, issue. Query whether or not there's a pregnancy discrimination issue here under the Pregnancy Discrimina- Non-Discrimination Act, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm not saying there isn't, you know, mm-hmm. because, my goodness, all kinds of theories can be fashioned, and we haven't faced this before, so who knows. But I, in, in my 40-plus years of practice, I haven't seen it, but that doesn't mean you couldn't come up with a plausible theory, although I doubt it. Um, I think there's a big difference between a lot, very often people come to me and they say, well, this is just wrong. And merely because something is wrong doesn't mean it's unlawful. Merely because something is unfair doesn't mean that's necessarily unlawful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know I'm giving you a mealy-mouthed answer there, but look, I'm a lawyer and I don't like giving half-cocked opinions. Um, if I don't know, I don't know. And I don't know the answer to this, but I'm simply saying some of the considerations would be yeah. whether or not this implicates certain uh, statutes. And who knows, in certain states, perhaps something like this would be unlawful. 
I just don't know of any. I, I haven't seen it it's before. It's a matter of first impression. Yeah, Peter, it's not mealy mouth. You're, I want honesty from you. That's why I bring you on. Your knowledge, and you know, you're not. You don't have to sugarcoat it. And uh, if there's, if you can't think of anything legally off the top of your head that says that they can't do that, I believe you uh, wholeheartedly. If we find out differently, we'll ask you about that. But uh, it's it's extremely important. Uh, last one uh, before for this quick uh, segment. As a matter of fact, I don't have time for it. Uh, the prayer on the football field with Coach Joe Kennedy. Uh, I'm really happy for religious liberty there. But Pete, let me ask you about uh, West Virginia versus the EPA. I mentioned yeah. it in passing. Yesterday I, I talked about it in a little bit of depth. Um, this has the the ability to literally change the way our government operates. Um, the government currently operates by allowing the alphabet soup agencies, whether it's the NRLB, whether it's the CDC or the FDA, uh, or whatever it is. They let them establish policy. In other words, they let them make law. Right, um, they do. And, and, you know, it, rather than the, the, which are, you know, these are executive branch appointees, rather than the legislative branch, which is supposed to make law. If West Virginia wins, and the, the West Virginia was joined by two coal mining companies, uh, who have, uh, who have sued the federal government for essentially allowing the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, to rewrite our energy policy. Uh, and essentially to establish our energy laws. They say they can't do that. It's got to be the legislature. If they win, it's so much bigger than the EPA, isn't it, Pete? Oh, boy. It, you know, we talk so much about the quote-unquote deep state. The bureaucracy in this country is enormous. It's immense. And most of the things that affect us from a legal perspective are promulgated by these bureaucracies. Now, they're not supposed to do so. They're not supposed to do anything that is, you know, substantive. That's for legislators to make the law. But what's happened over, at least since the the New Deal, when many of these agencies, such as, you know, the NLRB, or even before the NLRB, or, um, you know, the EPA, or, you know, you name it, IRS, well before, after they were created, and they started promulgating their... Uh, regulations, there were a number of Supreme Court cases, most importantly, and this is the cases that I have uh, been involved in, or at least interpretations of them, are Chevron and Auer. And I won't go into, I want to bore your audience with them, but what it pretty much says is that once a law is passed that is in the jurisdiction of, let's say, the EPA, it's, mm-hmm. it's something to do with the environment, then the EPA has the ability to promulgate regulations interpreting that law, okay, and the courts will defer the agency's interpretations of those laws, all right? So they become, you know, kind of mini tribunals unto themselves. They promulgate these things, and then they're, the, they're adjudicators of what they mean. And the legislative branch is kind of out there doing nothing whatsoever and, and twiddling its thumbs. That is, the elect representatives of the people to whom these representatives are accountable. They can be voted out of office if they pass a law they don't like. These, these bureaucrats are faceless. You don't know who they are, and they can't be voted out of office. And there are a gazillion of them. Hey, I was one of them on the National Labor Relations Board. I'm one of them on the Civil Rights Commission, although I can't promulgate anything on the Civil Rights Commission. But all these agencies have got this rulemaking authority that these are the things that are affecting your daily lives. If the West Virginia case versus EPA which came out because of a uh, the Clean Power Plan, which is this gigantic climate change initiative that was implemented by the Obama administration, would have cost, uh, I think it was $40 billion per year to implement, uh, had, had to do with the nation's power grid. Well, I mean, it, it, things of that nature have monumental effects on every single human being in the United States of America, yet we don't have 
any kind of authority, any kind of say-so over whether or not, you know, things should be passed in the first place. You know, bureaucrat Joe Blow out there someplace in a cubicle 14C on Pennsylvania Avenue uh, is promulgating these things. Nobody knows who he is. He wasn't elected. You know, who knows what his ideology is? He could be a communist for all we know, or maybe he's, you know, a, 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 a dreaded Nazi. But nonetheless, they're doing these things and we're subject to them. So the, the long story short is the Supreme Court is going to be setting parameters about you know, to what extent these kinds of agencies can exercise power, to what extent can legislative authority be delegated to these agencies for whom we have absolutely no control. Unelected, big, right. Big deal. Exactly. Yeah, un- big un- deal. Un- Huge yeah. deal. Yeah, these 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 are, you know, the um uh, the leaders of these agencies, uh, these are the, the bureaucrats, essentially, who act as if they are our representatives, and they are not. This is specific to the legislature, and that's where we have some control. Uh, and that's, of course, what West Virginia is doing here. So that, that case has yet to be announced. Hopefully it will be announced before the end of this term. It's got to be today or tomorrow, I guess. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully it is uh, de- decided in favor of West Virginia so that we can stop this, um, you know, this puppet, if you will, puppet uh, regime that I think. And it's not just Biden regime. Uh, Biden administration, but as you said, allowing these agencies to do this forever, it essentially takes the power out of the hands of the people and puts it in the hands of the of the executive bureaucrats. Peter Kersenow, terrific as always. Thanks for sticking the full hour, my friend. Uh, we Jimmy <laughs> Hend- Hendrix bumper music. I I waited for it and I got it. <laughs> the best engineer in the world, Johnny Hiles. He's got your back, Peter. We always do. And thanks for having ours. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. All right, Peter Kersenow. You and I know. And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three already. Wow. This has been a very fast show. Of course, anytime you're talking to Peter Kersenow, it flies by. He just kind of fills your ears with knowledge and information, and your brain is trying so hard to catch up. You know what they say about, um, I don't say how time flies when you're having fun, but when, you know, when you're bored at work, the time drags. When you're busy at work, it just flies by. Well, your brain is busy processing everything that Kersenow throws at you. And you turn up and you look and it's like it's 11 o'clock already. How did that happen? That's kind of how it is for me anyway. Maybe you feel differently, but uh, thank you, Pete. Always, always appreciate everything that you bring. He's got so much knowledge and experience, particularly with the Supreme Court. There's nobody better to talk to about all of those issues than Peter Kersenow. Now, moving forward on this Wednesday, the 29th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2022, let's give a warm welcome back to our program, to our regular Wednesday uh, commentator, Neil McCabe from the Ohio Star. And more recently, for the last four weeks, with the uh, Army Reserve back from duty. 
Uh, Neil, so good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you? Fantastic, Bob. And let me just say to you and your listeners that I never stopped loving you, and it's just good to be home. <laughs> I bet it is. Where did uh, where did I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it at all, but if you are, where did your duties take you? <laughs> no, I'm a uh, I'm a sergeant first class in the Army Reserve, and as part of um, part of that rank is you have to go to a uh, four week senior leadership course, which is held at uh, Fort George G. Meade, Maryland, which is where the Defense Information School is, where that's sort of the the art school of the Pentagon. So that's where uh, all the cameramen go. It's all the broadcast people go. It's where I, it's where I went to print journalism school in 2003. And so, uh, so for me, it was just going back to my old schoolhouse. And uh, I, I loved Fort Meade, and I loved being on Army duty, but I loved being with you more, Bob. <laughs> don't talk like that no seriously Neil, we we appreciate we appreciate the chance to talk with you each and every week we we really did miss you for four weeks but i'll tell you what it's proud to have you uh and thank you for your service i mean anybody who's yeah, in our service yeah seriously anybody who's in our service whether it's reserve or active duty uh you're doing things to protect this country you're volunteering where people uh most people do not and uh you have uh, my deepest respect for that so uh we missed you and it's good to have you back now, Neil normally joins us to talk about Ohio issues uh, down in Columbus and beyond. Uh, and uh, to that end, let's talk a little bit, uh, Neil, first about the United States Senate race between J.D. Vance, who won that very, very hard-fought primary against uh, several opponents on the Republican side, and Tim Ryan, who had really no competition at all on the Democrat side. It has been a very, very quiet month, two months, really, since May 3rd and that primary victory for Vance, we haven't heard uh, a peep, really, uh, in uh, in about eight weeks. But Tim Ryan has been all over the TV very, very frequently and very, very early on in this race. It appears to me he must be very well healed. I don't know that. But um, like I said, to be on in June uh, as much as he has been. Uh, and, and what's more interesting, Neil, is not that he's running ads. He's not really running too many anti-Vance ads. He's running I'm... Tim Ryan, MAGA Democrat. That's pretty much what his campaign ads have looked like. I broke with Democrats and voted against Obama's this and voted for Trump's that and so forth. Um, he's trying to, you know, essentially present himself as something other than what he has been uh, in his you know, congressional career, and that is a far-left rubber stamp for the Obama, the Biden, the Pelosi, the Schumer-slash-agenda. Um, so what are your thoughts on uh, what we've seen thus far from Tim Ryan and the silence, really, from J.D. Vance? I'll make two points on Tim Ryan. Uh, first of all, the opening line on his, uh, on his website is, uh, quote, Congressman Ryan currently serves as a member of the powerful House Appropriations Committee, unquote. And so that's why he has plenty. When you say he's well-heeled, oh, yeah, believe me. Anybody who sits on the House Appropriations Committee has no problem uh, raising money for whatever they want to do. And it's like those, uh, those contributions to Ryan, they're like, uh, that's like earning a commission on uh, the billions that he's delivered to his friends. And so Ryan's not going to run out of money. But as to your other point, Tim Ryan wasn't always a lapdog for the left. Like, he used, to be, he used to have, I believe, a sincere connection with the people he grew, he grew up with and the people he wanted to represent in Washington. But what happened is, as he tried to climb the ladder in the Democratic Party, he was told, hey, 
You can't be pro-life here. You can't be pro-gun here. I mean, Tim Ryan was a pro-life Democrat. And as good a pro-life Democrat as any of the, you know, the Irish Catholic congressmen we used to have in Massachusetts back in the day where I grew up. And, you know, now he's 100 percent with Planned Parenthood and uh, same thing on guns. And I think I think what's going on with Ryan is that people in the rest of the state, really, the only thing they really know about the guy is, yeah, he used to be a conservative and then he and then he flipped. And he's got to tell people that, uh, hey, I'm, I'm not, not like the opportunity, ambitious opportunist that you think I am. And uh, I, think, I think it's quite a lift for him. What about the flip side? Uh, nothing from Vance yet. Um, and, you know, it's kind of interesting to me. It, it's very similar to, to the campaign that I think he ran uh, in the primary. Um, he wasn't in early with a lot of noise. He didn't want to be the front runner very early on. You know, we all know what that does. Uh, it makes you the target, and everybody starts doing all of the negative stuff again. He was content to be fourth or so uh, in that pack as uh, J.D. Uh, 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 Vance and, and Gibbons and Bernie Moreno all kind of took turns up there doing things. And, you know, and then when the time mattered, as we got into the last month or six weeks or so of the campaign, then, uh, you know, on he came. Is that the strategy here? He plans to just have a good, big, late summer push? Well, I think if you look at J.D. Vance's victory, which is, what, 32%, right? So it's not like he blew people away. And the other thing, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who, who spend the rest of their life living off of their participation in Glenn Youngkin's campaign in Virginia. But basically, Terry, Youngkin was getting crushed, and then Terry McAuliffe made a mistake, and he doubled down on a mistake, and, and Youngkin was able to capitalize on it. But it's like, you know, J.D. Vance was, what, 5 7%? Like a month before, uh, you know, that fateful, uh, you know, Gibbons-Mendel debate. Yeah. And then he had the good sense, you know, Someone dropped the ball, he picked it up, and he ran into the end zone. And so he deserves credit for that. He's the nominee. But it's not like his campaign was blowing doors. And so I think he's, you know, maybe he's going into a latency period where he just figures, all right, let's uh, let's raise some money, let's get this thing together, and maybe it'll uh, come around in Labor Day. Uh, it was interesting, though, you know, when he was saying about the Roe v. Wade decision, you know, that women have been sort of were sold a bill of goods saying that you have both a career and a family. And that. And I think it's uh, what's interesting to me is that he, he's tapping into that same vein that you pick up on Tucker Carlson and then his uh, Peter Thiel teammate, uh, Blake Masters in Arizona. And this is the idea that the, whatever you say about America being a great country, you're not really a great country if young people can't get married and have families. And I think about myself, I had no idea that I was the last generation in America of kids who came home and my mother was in the kitchen when I came home. And it's like, there were families where the parents worked and like they would come home to an empty house. And those, like, those houses were like zoos. It was like circuses, right? Like, you'd want to hang out there because you do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the norm now. Like, there are tens of millions of kids who come every day, home every day, and mom isn't there. 
And and I think if JD can sort of go to those sort of old school values of you know just what is the measure of a quality of life in America, I, I think he's got something. We are talking to Neil McCabe. He is our regular Wednesday uh, commentator and contributor. He is with the Ohio Star. We're talking about Ohio politics. Uh, let's pivot over, uh, Neil, for a moment to the governor's race. You know, we all know, yeah. uh, you know, my, Mike DeWine was was just a, a disaster. Um, you know, I, I mean, conservatives had had their fill of him. He ended up winning a Republican primary that we now know was not decided by Republicans. Only 46% of the votes cast in that race were Republican votes. 54% were either Democrats crossing over or independents. I think we just lost Neil. Uh, that sounded like a disconnection. Yeah, we'll get him back on here. Uh, what I will repeat to him that I will say to you now as we get him back on is, of course, that uh, either Democrats crossing over or uh, or independents who had not registered for as Republicans for the last two election cycles um, decided that race. And because Mike DeWine was in such trouble with conservatives, um, he needed to reestablish, now that he's won the, won the primary, some conservative credentials in order to bring people out, because so many people like me have just threatened not to vote or to write somebody else in. All right, let's bring Neil back in. Uh, Neil, as I was saying before the dropped call, DeWine won a Republican primary decided more by Democrats crossing over in independence than by Republicans. Uh, he's still in very much underwater with conservatives who are livid about the way he handled COVID, livid about the lockdowns and about the school policies and more, uh, about mandates, about Amy Acton and so forth. So he needed to establish some new conservative credentials here to get us to come and vote in November against Nan Whaley. Because so many of us have said, I'm either not going going to vote or I'm going to write somebody in or I'm going to vote for Neil Pearson. I'm not going to vote for Mike DeWine. So he went out and here he is. He's, uh, you know, uh, he obviously signed the heartbeat bill. He's got the trigger now so that it's going to be uh, law in the state of Ohio. He is allowing teachers to be armed with 24 hours training so that, uh, you know, the pro-gun lobby is, is, is back in his corner. Uh, is it enough uh, for him against Nan Whaley? What do you think the legitimate chances are? It's only June, late June, but what do you think the le- legitimate chances are that Nan Whaley is able to unseat him? Well, you know, it's interesting to me that uh, Dear Jan got 326-some-odd thousand votes in her primary, and Renacy got like 300,000, right? So it's like, conceivably, it's like Renacy almost beat the Democrats. Right. And, uh, you know, so the idea that she was blowing doors is kind of absurd. And what it really comes down to is whether or not DeWine can pull it off or not. And, you know, we spoke last time, like a month or so ago about this, like it's the hostage crisis. Right. And so going into the primary, the conservatives were holding DeWine hostage. And so he had to like. He had to sign all sorts of crazy bills that he would have never signed. And I'm sure, I mean, it just made, it must have made him crazy to sign those, uh, those, uh, gun bills or the pro-life bills. And now the question is, you know, does he still feel like he's the hostage or a conservative the hostage? Because basically conservatives have to sort of go along with the wine and his corrupt crew, knowing that they're all phonies knowing that the whole thing's rigged, it's like a crime syndicate over there, and yet he's like, 
he's like better than the Democrat. And this is, uh, you know, I think DeWine right now is thinking, I'm just going to keep going with this plan. And frankly, I don't care if he's sincere or not. If he's signing right-wing bills, I don't care. I don't care what his motivation is. I, I just want to live in a country. I want to live you know, where, where I can have my guns, where I know my elections are good, where I can open a business, where, you know, can my kids have, afford to have grandchildren, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, so Neil. The, the, the frustrating thing is, though, you know, you, you, I agree with you. If he's signing right wing bills, well, I don't like right wing because that's a that's almost a almost. A, okay, I'm sorry. A, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, conservative bills, which uh, you know, it means the same thing to some, but it's it's considered a pejorative by many. But he, he's signing conservative bills that w- with which we all agree for a year at a time, the the election year, and then for three years, he's doing left wing politics. He's doing dem- he's, yeah. he's he's governing like a Democrat. That's my problem. That's why I said I would never cast another vote for this guy when I was working so hard and and trying to you know get people to understand how dangerous he is and 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 what a fraud he is, and we needed to replace him. Obviously, Joe. Blystone got in the way of our ability to replace him with somebody who was competent like Jim Renacci. So, you know, yeah, he's, he's signing bills right now, uh, uh, Neil, but <laughs> for three years, if he gets reelected, you know, for the next three years, it's going to go back, right back to Democrat politics. Yeah, and, and, and this, is, this is sort of the deal, right? So we can get as much as we can from him and then just hope over the next three years, assuming he's not in jail, uh, assuming in the next three years that... Uh, you know, that he can't, like, completely and absolutely backslide. I, you know, there's a lot of things that have to change in Ohio, okay? I think people have woken up to how just just crazy, just completely backwards the redistricting protocol regime is. And that they, this thing was sold as being, like, a good government reform, and it is insane. It's designed to make the district unrepresentative. And I think what happened in the primary, people are like waking up and it's like, how is it that all these Democrats picked like the most unpopular governor in the country is now the Republican nominee because a lot of Democrats, they, they weren't Democrats crossing over. They were saboteurs crossing over. And there's a lot of things that have to change in Ohio. And I, you know, at some point, You've got to rely on Republican legislators to sort of stick up for, uh, for the conservative ideals that they campaign on. And right. if the legislators are pushing the governor, then the governor has no choice. But if we have to rely on DeWine, well, please. Forget about it. Neil McCabe, Ohio Star reporter extraordinaire, back from four weeks of service uh, in Maryland as a, an Army reservist. Uh, Neil, thank you. It's so good to have you back. Always appreciate your insights on Ohio politics. We'll check in with you next Wednesday. All right. Take care, Bob. Thanks so much, Neil. It's uh, 1126. We'll take a short time out. Come right back. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. The Answer. Okay, it's uh, just a minute before the bottom of the hour news. I want to point you to something. Get online, get your uh, little uh, browser open there, and uh, tap out uh, whkradio.com. And then you're going to see something at the top. It's about our huge Northeast Ohio deals summer sale. Tremendous specials available from some of our favorite clients, and you really want to check them out. I'm going to give you a special look-see at the uh, Parma Armory. You should really check out the Parma Armory deal. An annual family membership for firearms and archery from Parma Armory Shooting Center. 
that is normally $800 for an entire family, now $299. What? Yeah, there's only four of those. Only four of those available. So an annual family membership to the Parma Armory where you can buy and learn and shoot uh, as a family, teach and train uh, your kids, uh, learn how to protect yourself, uh, enjoy archery, whatever it is your pleasure. A regular family membership is 800 bucks. Uh, there are only four of them now that are discounted down as part of this massive summer sale. Uh, only four of them down to two ninety nine. So how about that? Uh, take a look at it for yourself. WHKradio.com. You can also go directly, if you wish, to NortheastOhioDeals.com, and you'll see the deal uh, right there along with some of our other tremendous sponsors with some tremendous opportunities. The huge summer sale at WHKradio.com. Check it out for yourself. Back after the news. Reason in the age of unreason. Always right radio with Bob France and the answer. 1138, we continue on AM 1420, the answer. Don't forget, we're going to turn it over to O'Reilly in about seven minutes. He'll take you to the top of the hour as we remind you go woke, get broke. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition. My gender changes depending on the day or week or even depending on the hour. Whoa, if you got three months in Facebook jail, who you gonna call? Whoa, if your five-year-old girl identifies as male who you gonna call when you post pictures of your beautiful vacation or your healthy children or your lovely home and you write hashtag bless i ain't trying to be woke you are offensive because you were not chosen as one of god's favorites you were given opportunities that other people were not i ain't trying to be woke if the liberal mob tries to shut you down who can you call because you forgot to use their preferred pronouns. Oh, who you gonna call? What are your preferred pronouns? Uh, Zazam. These are my pronouns. Mapa, Nini, Nopa, Nori. I ain't trying to be woke. Opa, Pere, Pong Pong, Saza, Zizi, Trixic, Twerk, From an Amork, Viramork, Allosexual. I ain't trying to be woke. If you've had enough of this freaky stuff, baby, you better call. Whoa, Busters! If your American dream is too extreme, then call. Our genitals actually don't determine our gender. I ain't trying to be woke. Do you believe then that men can become pregnant? Yes. I ain't trying to be woke. Trans women are not a threat to women's sports. I ain't trying to be woke. Any male who claims not to be a misogynist is a misogynist. When a traffic statue replaces Chief Wahoo, you really need to call. Whoa, Busters! When NBC 
sounds like the KGB, baby. Think you better call. Wolfbusters! Ow, who you gonna call? Wolfbusters! Who you gonna call? I needed to play that for you before the end of the show today just to launch into the last subject that I have for you. As we talk about Wokebusters and we talk about the freaks that were, that were part of the, the audio that you, that you just heard there. And by the way, Dale Officer and Johnny Howes, phenomenal, phenomenal job on Wokebusters. But I had to kind of set this up that way. They tell us to stay out of their bedrooms. They tell us, the, the, the Pride Month flag wearers tell us that their own personal business between consenting adults is nobody else's business. How dare you, right? Fair enough. Keep it in your bedrooms and don't bring it out onto my streets and we've got a deal. But unfortunately, there's a story up on my webpage right now at alwayswrite.us that you need to see about the Seattle Pride Parade this past weekend. This is beyond leather diapers and, and dog leashes and other deviant, perverted, sexualized activities being paraded in front of children. Now we're just talking straight up nudity. Naked men. Some walking, gyrating and twerking, some riding bicycles. You can imagine that if you wish. There are videos, so you don't have to imagine it. You can see it for yourself. But what you will see in those videos is children following them, applauding them, riding on daddy's shoulders to get a better look at them. Naked, perverts, deviants, and sexual... Um, I, I, don't, I can't even think of words for them. You have to see these pictures and these videos for yourself. And I ask you, as you just heard in the Wokebusters song, are we, are we homophobes if we say that should be outlawed? Are we transphobes if we say that's inappropriate for children? Let me ask you this. As I asked on my uh, Truth Social account, I ask you this question. If naked men were twerking and gyrating and passing back and forth next to your child's playground at their school, what would you do? Choice A, call the police. Or choice B, push your children toward the curb to applaud and celebrate their pride. What would you do? You would call the cops. Because, and you would be right to do so. Because they should be arrested. They should absolutely be arrested. It is illegal what they would be doing. So I ask you, what would you do? Because if you say that you would push your kids to applaud them and let them see what pride looks like, I would say you're a child abuser. I would say you need to have your children taken away from you. You have no business raising kids if you would push your children into that and if you would celebrate your children watching that. That doesn't make me a homophobe or a transphobe. It makes me a protector of children. In a leftist world, however, this perversion and child abusive grooming is celebrated instead of prosecuted. I will die on this hill. These freaks should not be allowed to have access to our streets or to the eyes of our children. And I don't care what you call it. See you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.